Well, hello, all my fantastic fanatics. This is your man, Dr. Usher, coming at you live. And guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to be dealing with the LGBTQ dilemma and how you as a Christian can be a help to these individuals rather than hurtful. And for you LGBTQ plus IA, I don't know, all the letters in the alphabet. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be funny to call y'all the alphabet people because I know some people use that as slang, but there's so many letters to y'all name right now. I don't even know where to end. It's like LGBTQIA, There, did I catch everybody? <laughs> and I say that facetiously, being funny, not trying to offend anybody. But for those of you from that community who are listening, this message is for you also, especially for those who are what I would say are in emotionally intelligent because there are those in the community who are not emotionally intelligent and they're not aware of their true feelings. They're not aware of their true selves. And so this message is not for them because they're not emotionally able to process what I'm about to say, because what I'm about to say is going to help a lot of people, especially those who are dealing with trauma issues. And so this is what I'm going to start out with. So if you're listening and you're a Christian, I need you guys to understand one thing. There are people who are hurting, and that hurt that they're experiencing is real. Now, I don't know where this hurt came from, but I've made friends with quite a few people in the drag queen community and a couple of other communities because I'm just sick and tired of hearing about hearing third hand about these issues and not getting it directly from the source's mouth. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to get out of my comfort zone and I'm just going to just help people to trust me and build a relationship of trust where they can just say, hey, Pastor Rafi's not trying to hurt me. He really just wants to hear what's going on in my head and in my heart. And I appreciate you guys who befriended me to allow me into that place of vulnerability and I'm going to use that knowledge that I have and that foundation that I have to help other people who are struggling. And so with the Christians, I need for you guys to understand that there are certain members in that community that have legitimate trauma. Some of those guys have been abused sexually. Some have been abused emotionally. Some have been abused physically some have been abused verbally. They've, they've experienced all manners of abuse, maybe all of the above. And so people who have been traumatized at an early age will display certain behaviors as coping mechanisms. One of the, the, the drag queen dancers, very famous person, um, told me, he mentioned that, you know, his alternate personality is, a, is the bravery of the person that he wished he was. You hear that? It's the personality, it's the bravery of the personality that he wished he was or that he wished he had. <clears throat> and that kind of broke me. I'm like, wow. So you're pretending to be this individual because in real life, you're not this individual. And so when this person's performing, He's super flamboyant, bold, outgoing, brass, and courageous, and risk-taking. 
But in his hearts of heart, deep down inside, he's broken. He's hurt. And he was bullied as a kid. And even when he was a kid, he's not saying he was gay as a kid, but just for being different. You know, he wasn't even gay. He was just like, everybody kept calling him gay. Everybody kept bullying him because, you know, he wasn't as masculine in a black community as the other black boys. And I can relate to that because as a young black kid who was a nerdy, I was a nerdy type. And all the kids that I grew up around with, they were kind of, they were, they're from the projects and they were a little bit more hardcore than what I was. A lot of them didn't have daddies in the home. I had a daddy <clears throat> and I had a lot of uncles. And so I grew up around, you know, a lot of manly men and I was very sheltered and protected as a, as a child growing up. So I did not have a lot of street smarts. I was very naive and, you know, I didn't have that, that black it factor. I mean, if you're black, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about that black it factor, because the first thing the girls would say, oh, you're too goofy. Y'all already know what that means. Everybody black, when I just said that, y'all already know what that means. When a girl says, oh, you're just too goofy or you're too soft, you know, the girls wanted back then wanted the hard guy, the gangbanger, the, the, the hard nose, the fighter, the, the dirty dude, you know, they didn't want no smart, nerdy kid. And, um, I remember, you know, when I was a little kid, I was, um, I had a neighbor who was a female that lived behind me when we were living in trailer court. And every afternoon I would go play Barbie dolls with her. And of course she had this uncle. They used to call me sister girl. Now I didn't know what he was trying to do. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I think I was like 10 years old at the time playing Barbies with my friend, you know, horses and Ken dolls and Barbie dolls and all that stuff. Hey, I was just happy to have somebody to play with because, you know, when you're at that age and there's not a lot of kids to play with, man, you'll play with anybody just to get out the house. You I mean, it's the 80s. I mean, you know, mama said, get outside. You go outside. Ain't no choice about it, right? So she had this one uncle that would always call me sister girl, sister girl, sister girl. And I'd be like, I ain't gonna lie. I'm, now, this is gonna be PG-13, so I don't want your kids listening to this. But I'd be like, nigga, who you talking to like that? And that's what I literally said to him out my mouth. And that just got him revved up even more. So after about a year or so of this going on, you know, I'm turning 11 years old. He's still calling, hey, sister girl. And all my friends are like, what he talking about? So I remember I went and told my dad. I said, hey, dad, this dude keeps calling me sister girl. I said, I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know what he's trying to say, but I'm tired of it. And I can't really stand up to him because he's a grown man. So I told my dad and I said, hey, dad, you know, I needed to stop. My dad said, okay, you stay inside. My dad left. I don't know what my dad did but from that day forward. <laughs> that dude called me Raphael. He called me by my name <laughs> from that day forward until the day we moved out that place. And I'm telling you, whatever my dad did, he made, he made sure that it wasn't going to happen again. And I kind of realized that with a lot of the, the young men who are growing up LGBTQIA, whatever, um, that are, you know, especially this young man I'm dealing with that's a drag dancer, he didn't have a father that could have came to his rescue and made this mess stop. For real. Because I'm thinking, dude, if I was your daddy, I would have been all over that place. I would have been at the school. I'd be... I mean, I ain't gonna lie. I, I said I'd be, 
ain't going to say what I said, but I, I said I'd be B-A-M-N if I allow somebody, especially in a school, to treat my child like that, knowing that I'm paying taxes that pays that teacher's salary. And I was so angry that this young man had to endure this trauma and it really impacted him and it went on for years and years and years and nobody came to his rescue man nobody came to this poor kid's rescue and then we wonder why certain members in this community have this this behavior of hate or i don't want to call it hate but aggression this i guess is the best word for it i mean you guys can just type in the podcast and in this comment section just tell me what you want to call it but there's a certain uh, aggression that these young people have when it comes to who they are. And they're more apt to fight and get physical and, and throw down with you because they're not that little kid anymore. And a lot of these dudes are big dudes now, and they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. I mean, I don't care if you're gay or straight. These jokers will go toe-to-toe with you in a heartbeat. And they'll be throwing hands and feet. And it all stems back to the trauma they experienced as a child. And so for those of you guys who are in the community, who are emotionally intelligent, I'm going to tell you this because you have a right to know this. When when you come to Jesus... Come as you are. Lay down aside the behavior mannerisms because that's not who you are. You are not the behavior. You are the individual that's been wounded. Come to Jesus. Let Jesus heal the wound because that's really what I see that you guys need. You've been wounded. And see, What I find amazing is that a lot of the people in your community will say that the wound came from the behavior or the behavior mannerism, which some would say is homosexuality. Well, they hated me because I was gay. They hated me because I like girls. They hated me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to tell you, that's not where the hate root gets its root from. That's that's not it. I, I can promise you that. For those of you guys who are emotionally intelligent, I think you know what I'm about to say is true. The hate didn't come from your behavior. The hate came from people who were insecure about who they were because you were comfortable with who you were as a young person. Now, I'm saying this pre-coming out the closet, pre-knowledge of who you were sexually, because what I have heard in every instance from everybody in this community, except for this new generation. Now, this new generation of Gen Zers and millennials coming into the game, y'all got totally different experiences. So I'm mostly dealing with the guys who are like, you know, late millennials to Gen Xers. Because I don't know about the Gen Zers because there's so much going on. But it may this may apply to you. But everyone I've talked to thus far has told me the truth. You know, they didn't know, they didn't have any idea about sexuality until they got older. And usually when they got older, that's when they learned about it. Prior to that, they didn't know it wasn't an issue to them. 
and they were just comfortable being who they were. But because of who they were, other people were uncomfortable with them and other people started to abuse them one way or the other. And what happens is over time, you suppress that pre-coming-out-the-closet experience because it's painful, because you got hurt. There was one book that I read by a gentleman. It's a very popular book. I won't say the name because I'm not trying to promote that garbage because he's writing from a traumatic experience. He was molested by his own cousin and then his uncle. And he suppressed that trauma. And as he grew up, he found an outlet in the LGBTQIA lifestyle. Because that's what he was pushed into. And see, a lot of us, we were kind of railroaded into a certain lifestyle. You know, like I told you, my bully, which was an adult male, calling me sister girl. Now, I didn't know what he was trying to say, but I had a father who made sure that I understood what life was all about. I'm pretty sure whatever decision I would have made in life, my dad would have been cool with it. But he just did not want anybody trying to push anything on me or push me into something, even if it was a gang. My dad was hardcore against gangs. And I'll be doggone, if you notice anybody was in a gang that was coming near me, my dad was like, red alert, you know, not my son. And so I, I say this because a lot of you guys were railroaded into... This lifestyle. What do I mean by railroaded? Railroad is when someone when someone builds a train track, and instead of allowing you to choose your own path, there are people that built these train tracks, and they kind of guide you on that train track. And once you get on that train track, you have to go wherever it tells you to go. You are no longer in control of your life. And so, a lot of you young people or LGBTQ people. You've been railroaded and you're not really in control of your life anymore because you've been placed on this railroad and you have to go wherever the railroad tells you to go. And I'm here to tell you, you no longer have to be on that railroad. Some of you guys are being set free right now. You recognize, yeah, Raph, you're right. I've been put on this railroad. Now, I'm not telling you what to do with your life. My goal right now is to only focus on the trauma. I'm not dealing with, you know, who you love and the sexual behavior, all that junk. My goal right now for this podcast only is to deal with the trauma that you experience as a young person. Because if you deal with the trauma, the behavioral mechanisms that you use as defense mechanisms to cover up the hurt will eventually go away. I've seen it time and time again. I was working at a flea market in the early 2000s. Young lady, lesbian, of course, you know, then living a lifestyle, you know, I'm once gay, always gay, what she said. And um, I became good friends with her. We sit down. She's a very pretty Filipino girl, too. I'm like, man, she's fine. I was married. So anyway, <laughs> but I wasn't trying to hit on her. I was really just genuinely like enjoy talking with her. And as we became friends over the years, she just started opening up more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And so I would just begin to ask probing, ask probing questions. And I started peeling back the onions 
And she finally got to the core of her truth and she got to the core of her trauma. And I won't say what her trauma was because, you know, she might be listening. I don't want her to feel like I'm putting her business out in the street. But she got to the core of her trauma and you saw this light come on in her eyes. It's like, boom. She was illuminated from the inside out, people. I'm telling you, it was it was the most, wow, awesomest experience because it was not my intent to try to change anybody. I was just talking to her, had a lot of questions, blah, blah, blah. And like I told you, this went on for a year or so. And she disappeared. Didn't see her for like a couple of years. And um, I go back to the flea market a couple of years later. I see her. She's glowing and she's walking around. I'm talking with her. I said, hey, don't I know you? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I asked her about her life and all this stuff. And she said she's got married and got kids. I said, oh, so you married your lover? She's like, no, I married my husband. I said, what? <laughs> and she told me what happened. And when she got to the core of her trauma, I mean, she, she dealt with it at that conversation that we had. She said she just kept thinking about it. And she recognized that she was only reacting to the hurt of something that happened to her when she was younger. And that when she finally dealt with that hurt, the behavior that was a protective mechanism from that hurt went away. And she got married and had kids. And that was early 2000s. And so, people, what I'm telling you is true. I'm not here again to try to change you, try to convert you. My thing right now is I want you to hear me out. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been traumatized. The goal that we have to focus on right now is the hurt. Because unless we deal with the hurt, you're never going to find peace. Your behavior mechanisms are not going to protect you. They're only going to put you in more danger. I'm promising you this. It doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. Because straight people got protective mechanisms as well that are just as self-destructive as anything else. Okay? So even if you're straight... And you got this mechanism because, you know, I remember in college, there were these girls that always have sex, 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 sex. They would actually go into the room and allow the frat boys to, to gangbang them. And, and they would do this day after day after day. And when you, when you dealt with these young ladies, you recognize that they were dealing with some trauma. And when you deal with the trauma, you, you saw that the trauma led to low self-esteem, low worth, low value. And the only way they felt valued or felt like an individual is when some guy was enjoying them in the bed. That's the only value that they felt in life. And when they felt like they were valued from the inside out, when they dealt with the trauma, it all went away. It's amazing, everybody. When we deal with trauma, a lot of the issues that we're facing go away. It's true for anybody. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is go to Jesus, go to your local church. Don't, listen, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. Don't go to a gay-friendly church. Go to a church that's not gay-friendly, that's just going to tell you the truth. And yeah, you might experience a lot of, I guess, negative. I, well, actually, 
I don't think you will because I hate, I'm not going to lie. A lot of churches have become more emotionally intelligent and are more able to deal with your hurt more than you think they are capable of doing. I think we've villainized the church from, and we compare them to the church of the 1970s and 1980s when they were hellish against all things gay. And so, and plus the church in the 70s and 80s, they, they were, they were just ignorant. They didn't know the things that we know now about mental health. Mental health back then was taboo. You don't talk about mental health in the church. Now mental health is more readily talked about and it's not a taboo thing anymore. So I would encourage you, go to a church that's not gay friendly. Why? Because you want people that's going to give you the honest interpretation of your trauma. I don't want you to go to people that's going to patty cake and sugarcoat and put butterscotch over your wound. It's only going to get you infected even more. You need to go to people that's going to clean out the wound, put some salt on that joker and wash it out and put a clean bandage on it and let that thing heal. Now, once you've gone through your healing, whatever behavior is left behind people, so be it. That's between you and Jesus at that point. That's not my decision to make. That's between you and Jesus. But I believe that if you allow Jesus to help you heal those wounds, you'll feel a lot of, you'll feel inner peace because a lot of you, everyone that I'm, 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 I'm going to say it like this, everyone that I know that's in that community, that's been honest with me. Now remember, there are people that are emotionally ignorant that will put on the front, oh, I'm fine, I'm good. You ain't going to tell me nothing. They're talking all that schmack. But then you'll find those who are emotionally intelligent, who are in tune with their emotions, their empaths. Those are the ones that can tell you the truth. And you're the ones that are going to be my witnesses that what I'm saying is true. So if you're LGBTQ and you have a, a partner or a friend that's an empath and they hear this message and they're going, they're going to tell you what he's saying is right. You got to let Jesus deal with the hurt. You got to let him deal with the trauma. And you got to go back to where it first started, to the place where you repressed it. Because repressing your trauma, man, it could have happened to you at two years old. Look, guys, I've seen kids. I'm going to tell you about a horrific story. When I was living in a projects for a short, well, I wouldn't call it projects, but in a low, a low income area, I would see these people called neighbors who would sexually abuse their younger relatives, two or three year olds, two, two and three year olds. I'm not joking, people. This is the disgusting stuff that goes on in low income communities. And I was a little kid back then. I, I'm, I'm like nine or 10 years old and I'm seeing this, you know, 13, 14 year old boy, you know, giving oral to a three-year-old girl. This is the type of garbage that I had, that I saw. And I'm like, what the heck, dude? I ran out. I ran out. I ran out of there. Because I was like, ugh. This... And so those type of things, people, imagine what that little girl is going through right now. I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know the girl's name. Because sometimes I'm like, man, if I only knew her name, I could probably reach out to her and try to I know she's probably going through hell right now. If she's not committed suicide, something, I don't know what's going on, but I remember seeing that. And sometimes that keeps me up at night. Cause I'm like, 
Why didn't I do anything to stop it? I mean, I was just a little kid. What what could I have done? You know, I ran because I was like, oh God, that's that don't that's not right. But a lot of you guys have experienced you've been victims of that stuff. You know? And um it must be horrifying to the point where you suppress it. To the point that you have to suppress it, because if you don't suppress it, you'll feel like you're losing your mind. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the real stuff. This is where the crap meets the road. This is where the church folk, y'all need to wake up and realize that this world is disgusting and there's some sick people in here doing sick things to kids. And let me warn you people, sick people hurt other people. That's just what they do. And like I said, when I was reading that one book, the same thing happened to this little kid by his own cousin. And a lot of you guys who are listening, you probably can testify. Yeah, I remember hearing something like that or my friend told me something like that happened to her. And see, nowadays we have social service systems in place that can come in and take care of that type of thing. But back in the 70s and 80s, early 80s, there really wasn't much you could do because nobody would believe you. So all you guys who are in your 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s, who were traumatized as a kid and you try to get help and nobody believed you because that's where our society was back then. I am so sorry because yeah, our system was jacked up back then. Everything was like secretive and repressed and you don't talk about stuff like that. You just deal with it and cover it up or, you know, whatever. But I'm here to tell you that whatever issue that you repressed Jesus can heal it. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus has only the best for you. And all he wants to do right now is to exchange your wounded, broken heart for a heart that's healed and full of love. That's what he wants for you right now. He ain't, listen, Jesus ain't in the game of beating you up and sending you to hell. Not at this point. Absolutely not. How do I know that? Because the Bible says a bruised reed, he will not break. What does that mean? When you've been traumatized and wounded, and a lot of you guys listening to this podcast, y'all been traumatized and wounded. And so many Christians told you, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Remember, a bruised reed, he will not break. God is not going to punish you for something that you've been traumatized and tormented over because of someone else's mistake or someone else's issue because that's just not how he is. He knows that, oh my God, my baby's been hurt. Nobody came to his rescue. Nobody came to her rescue. And now I got these idiots telling this person that's been wounded since she was a child that she's going to hell. No, 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 no. That is not the truth right now, people. Don't even focus on that. The thing I want you guys to focus on is focus on going to Jesus, letting him deal with your wounds. When he deals with your wounds, whatever he wants you to do, just do it. Let Jesus heal you from the inside out. However that looks, as long as it gives you peace as long as it heals that wound, as long as that hurt goes away, as long as that confusion goes away, as long as you got mental clarity and emotional stability, does it really matter 
if you get to keep your sexual lifestyle? No. Because in the end, it's all about what you want inside. Do you want the peace? Do you want the mental clarity? Do you want the love? Do you want that feeling that, man, I'm really whole inside. I'm really my true, authentic self. Instead of you trying to pretend that you're a true, authentic self because you're using your mechanisms, protective mechanisms to cover up the trauma. Let me be real. You can't be a true, authentic self if you're using these coping mechanisms to cover up your trauma. It's impossible. You're just a fake. And I say that respectfully because you got to just be honest. I got to be honest with you. It's fake. The only way to be your true, authentic selves is to allow Jesus to heal you. And again, it's however he wants to heal you. It ain't got to do with what I preach. Because, yeah, I'm going to preach about everything. If it's a sin, I'm going to preach against it. But that ain't got to do with how you and your relationship with Jesus is going to be. What I preach on my messages, that's going to be something totally different between what you and Jesus are going to have to go through. Because remember, every relationship is going to be different and unique between you and Jesus. And as long as you're allowing Jesus to heal that wound, to heal that trauma, and to deal with your real hurt, I think everything else is going to just fall in place or fall away. Or if it stays, that's between you and Jesus. I ain't got nothing to do with that. You know? But I'm going to be honest with you. If you're trying to hold on to it, to whatever you're trying to hold on to, then you're not ready for healing. You're not ready to deal with your trauma. Because when you get tired and fed up of dealing with that hurt, that insecurity, that every time someone says, hey, you're worth it, you're lovely, you're beautiful, you're handsome, you know, when they think about this, if anytime someone tells you and they look you dead in the eyes and you can feel it with all their compassion, how beautiful you are as a person and that makes you cry or that makes you feel something on something, something on the inside, that lets you know that something inside of you is broken. And that should let you know that that feeling that you feel, that feeling of love and that you are worth more than everything on this earth, that's worth more to you than anything that you can physically do with your body. You understand me? You understand what I'm saying? That's where I want you to get to. So I don't want you to say, well, Dr. Usher is trying to say, I got to give up this lifestyle. I did not say that. All I'm saying is, let's deal with the hurt. Go to Jesus. Let him deal with the hurt. And let's see what happens. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Whatever the outcome may be, it'll be better than where you are right now. I can promise you that. It's going to be better than where you are right now. So as those of you guys who are listening at the sound of my voice, I'm going to pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that's listening that's been wounded and traumatized as a child. They've suppressed their feelings. They've suppressed that traumatic experience. And they put up these mechanisms to hide or cope with the hurt that they feel inside. And Lord God, I pray that you begin to heal the hurt. Take them through the painful journey 
of healing. Lord God, bring people in their paths that can help them heal from their trauma. Lord God, I rebuke anyone that comes into their lives to try to patty cake, sugarcoat, and put butterscotch over a wound. Lord God, help them find people that's going to heal that trauma and deal with that trauma and not affirm the trauma. We don't want affirmation at this point, Lord God. We need them to be healed of the trauma. And Lord God, I pray that you would give everyone your spirit of peace, your spirit of love, and I pray that your spirit would rest upon the hearers of this message and allow them to hear my heart, which is your heart, that these are your babies and you love every last one of them and you're going to help them if they allow you to help them. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, remember what I always say. Do as much good as you can while you can. And the best, goodest thing you can do right now is help these people who are hurting. They're hurting. This is real hurt. These kids are hurt. They've gone through so much junk. I don't think there's ever been a time in history where we've seen so much traumatic hurt in people. But this is where we are. So we got to help them. Let's help and not hurt. Okay, everybody? God bless you. See you later.